cancer diagnosis at the age of 32, my mom and I talked a lot about the shock of that diagnosis. Given several doctors told us you're too young to have endometrial cancer. After much discussion, we began to feel driven to inform and help educate other young women about what symptoms they should be concerned. Having both been teachers, it seemed natural for us to look for a way to share Alex's cancer journey in order to help other young women avoid such a shocking diagnosis or possibly navigate a similar path. A podcast seemed the best way to get the word out, and that's how Down There Aware was born. Four years later, our mother-daughter duo has gone from educating and informing to advocacy and action with a fresh and sometimes very interesting and somewhat humorous multi-generational perspective. We look forward to sharing with you season four as we advocate, take action, and make it a priority to always be Down There Aware. Welcome back to another episode of Down There Aware. I was made aware that I move my hands a lot. Which isn't a big deal until you hit this cord a lot. (laughs) Prime example. So, um, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever you are doing while you're listening to Down There Aware or watching us on our new YouTube channel. That's exciting. Yeah. So what's been going on in your week, Mama? Oh, let's see. I don't think it's been too busy. A few um, doctor appointments, which seems to be my life these days, but not too much happening. How about yourself? Same old, same old, another day, another dollar. I realized um, I wore this same sweater in episode one, and I... I brought clothes to change into, but I am so cold right now. It is cold. We had a few days of just constant rain, um, and now it is cold in good old Tallahassee, Florida. Um, but we love that. Yeah, I love the cold weather, but I just didn't feel like taking off this warm sweater <laughs> and putting something else on. So I figured not a big deal. No, because we aren't filming this on the same day. Exactly. It's not. I mean, I assume we've washed it between now and then. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, we are not not repeaters of clothes. Oh, no, not at all. I no. don't have enough clothes not to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> or enough closet space to house enough clothes well, that's not what to it repeat. Is. That's what it is, is the closet space of where do I put stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, so not... Not enough, for sure. No, 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 no. Um, you may even catch me wearing the same sweatpants evening after evening after work, because I've only worn them for a couple hours. Yep, you and know. they're comfy. Oh, yeah, they are, especially in this weather. So, well, today, episode three, we have a really great uh, show planned for you, um, and mom is going to take the lead on this one, because it's um, near and dear to her Heart. Well, February is American Heart Month or Heart Awareness Month. Did you see what or, I did there? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've really talked a lot about it, read a lot about it, and there's a lot of stuff online. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about that today. I found an interesting article about the link between COVID and heart health. And Mm. I know we're still finding out a lot about COVID and, um, excuse me, got the crud. And 
Um, things are changing in regard to research and um, what people are concluding, but I do think this data is important, and I was surprised at some of it, so I thought it might be interesting to kind of put out there. Um, the main focus really was that uh, heart issues had really increased since COVID. And um, the ages 25 to 44, heart issues increased by 30%. Hmm. Now think about the age group, 25 to 44. Which is your typical young, healthy, I mean, that's just post-grad into early adulthood. Yeah. You know, well, and... you probably are going to touch on this, so I don't want to steal your thunder, but um, think about all of the stories we've heard recently of athletes or just everyday Joes who are in that age group who have had heart issues or sudden death episodes or <laughs> Sorry, guys, to fix- we are like this. Is, I mean, it's like live. We don't edit. So, you know, things will happen, but whatever. Um, but yeah, you hear of people who are in this where I'm right smack dab in the middle of that age group. Yeah. Um, we know my heart problems are not COVID related, right? but, um, you know, it is interesting that a lot of people are now experiencing that. Right. And originally my heart problems were not COVID related, um, because Alex and I have the same genetic condition. However, my worsening heart issue, my cardiologist is attributing to my having had COVID. Mm. Um, And that's COVID after you were vaccinated and boosted. Exactly. Um, So they also said that this is a a Cedars-Sinai study, and we'll put the link on the show notes on the website. Um, Deaths related to heart attacks increased across every age group since spring of 2020. So since the beginning of COVID, every age group has seen an increase in heart attacks. Hmm. Is that a significant increase, like a statistical significant increase? Or did they talk about that? In ages 25 to 44, it's 30%. Middle and older age groups, 15 to 20%. So it shows the biggest increase, almost double in the younger folks. And I think that's fascinating. I didn't know that. Really, that's what they're interested in. So um, they said, why? You know, they're Mm -hmm. trying to look at why. There's a higher viral load exposure and there's an excess immune response in stronger immune systems. So if you think about that, the younger age group probably have stronger immune systems and evidently with this virus, the immune system wakes up and goes, wait a minute, and it really gets active. And now they're seeing that that in itself might be a huge issue. Well, and I know it's anecdotal, but even just hearkening back to when we were vaccinated, um, I was vaccinated my first dose in February of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had within 12 hours, a horrific reaction to the vaccine, not unexpected. I didn't have to go to the hospital or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I was, I felt the sickest I had ever felt even 
months later when I got COVID, I didn't feel this bad. Um, but I remember I was exhausted. I couldn't get out of bed. I, I mean, and even to the point of, I, you know, kept my phone in my bed with me and I stopped answering it cause I was sleeping that my parents came over because I hadn't responded. Um, you know, and I had told him I just got vaccinated. Like I'm not feeling well, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, but you didn't have that reaction to not the vaccine. All. So your immune response was less than mine was. Exactly. Um, and in regard to the vaccines, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there who blame the vaccine for a lot of problems, and I'm not going to get into that. I'm just looking at the research and the science of it. Um, and what Which this, is what we all should do. <laughs> and what this study says is that there's a very low risk that vaccines cause heart issues and that the virus is much more dangerous to the heart than the vaccine. And um, I think that is what's so significant. And I think that's what pushed me over the edge to get the vaccine and the second dose and the boosters is that I already have a compromised heart. I'm technically in congestive heart failure. And so I know that I have a bigger risk of having a, an additional heart issue from COVID, so I don't want to risk it. And like I said, the risk with the vaccine is so much lower. I want to go with the best shot I have. Yeah. And I think with any medical or health decision, it's all weighing the risk because the treatment and the condition or the disease, they both have risks. So when I was diagnosed with cancer, I could get a hysterectomy, which going in for surgery is a risk in and of itself. Yes. I mean, you sign away that if you die, like, okay, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it could happen. Um, or pss, not being treated and having cancer. That's also an issue. Uh, and so they both are risky and you just kind of have to, for yourself and what's best for you and your family is weigh the risks involved. And so for both of us, we, with our heart condition said, you know, the risks of a relatively new unknown vaccine is less than me getting this disease and going into the hospital and having all kinds of issues. Well, there are risks in everyday life. Yep. And so uh, every person has to weigh the pros and cons of every risk. <clears throat> Sorry again. Um, back to the vaccine, um, some some things that were stated in this uh, study that you are 11 times more likely to get myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart muscle. Um, you're 11 times more likely to get that from COVID than from the vaccine. Um, there's no direct connection between the vaccine and heart attacks. And that there are some reports of heart attacks after the vaccine, but oftentimes those are within a day or two of getting the vaccine, which is not enough time for the vaccine to have done anything in the body. So it's, um, it's kind of back to the figures don't lie, but liars do figure kind of thing. The data can say what people want it to say. And sure, you can say, this person had a heart attack the day after his vaccine. So that means it was caused by the vaccine. But what was his diet before? What was his heart health before? What would, I mean, we don't know any of that. Well, and like it said, 
the um, vaccine hadn't even had time to work. Yeah. And and you're told that when you get the vaccine, that it, it takes a couple of weeks for it to go into effect. Um, so don't be out there without a mask and, you know, doing all your stuff like when COVID first started and everybody was masking up. Uh, so that just makes perfect sense. Yeah. I um, followed a guy on TikTok during the pandemic who he was a microbiologist or something. Um, and so he had access to all kinds of equipment to test his immune response and, and things. And so he, um, after he got the vaccine and then maybe one time, I think he had COVID, he took blood samples and did all of this stuff mm. and measured and charted the, you know, immune response to, you know, what, uh, was happening in his body. And, um, even though it was just one person, but it showed he, his body reacted how they thought the vaccine would react and how through all the testing that it did react with, uh, you know, most individuals. So, um, it is fascinating to, to know that there's a little bit of a delay and it, it really can't impact your health that quickly. Well, and in trying to figure out why COVID affects the heart, um, some of the things stated in the study are, uh, COVID causes an increase in blood clot formation. And we heard a lot about that, that several people had issues with blood clots when they had COVID. It also causes an inflammation in the blood vessels. It it gives you more stress, which that alone can affect the heart. Mm-hmm. And it causes a spike in blood pressure. So just those four things sort of explain how COVID why COVID affects the heart. Um, Something that I thought was probably the most interesting thing that came out of that uh, Cedars-Sinai study is that COVID was first thought to be a respiratory virus. Mm -hmm. I remember all that talk. Yeah. And now that um, it's almost behind us and uh, we're able to gather a lot more data, figure a lot more things out, it's now considered to be a vascular virus. So huh, think I about hadn't heard that. that. But it makes sense that our first inclination would be respiratory um, because of the vascular system involved in your mm-hmm. respiratory system. Um, but wow, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. That it affects the blood vessel linings. So just mm. think of all the things that involves well every part of your body every organ everything is supplied with blood and that's interesting to know i would be interested uh if there's a study about you know it affects the lining of the the vessels um why then does it affect your o2 because that was an indicator you know when um I had a friend who had COVID early on and uh, their doctor recommended they get uh, an O2 monitor. Mm -hmm. um, And that was something I um, like door dashed into her um, because she didn't have one. And so, you know, that I remember hearing like, oh, you're if your O2 drops below 90 for an extended period of time, like go to the hospital. Well, and we got an oximeter when we had COVID. That's the right word. (laughs) But um, your blood carries oxygen. Right. But but interesting to know, like the relation of the vessel walls and what that means. And but blood clots, you know, and it also makes me think about aneurysms with the lining Mm because aneurysms affect the, you know, they're formed when the lining is thinned and things. So, um, yeah, fascinating. I think for decades, we're going to learn more and more and more about COVID. 
I do too. And if you look at it affects our vascular system, it affects our immune system. Those two systems are so vital to survival. Right, to everything. And I just thought, um, of course, I'm not a scientist and I haven't done any studies, but I have heard anecdotally of women who um, COVID and or the vaccine affected their uh, menstrual cycles. Hmm. And it makes you wonder if, because it's a vascular issue, menstrual cycles are all about blood. Uh, is, is that something that, you know, could explain why that happened? And or could it affect the hormonal system mm-hmm. as well? Um, so, wow, I, I'm really interested in looking further into the research as time goes by, because I do think it's going to ebb and flow. We're going to find out a whole lot more and um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. And well, I mean, I am also still really curious as to, okay, it's a vascular disease. Why the heck does it make you lose your taste and smell or affect your taste and smell so negatively? Um, and what, and why does it linger? Like in what you've been experiencing, I, you know, how does that come into play? Well, and I do think, um, long COVID, which is what I've been diagnosed with, um, is rampant. I don't think there's enough um, research about long COVID, why we have it, what exactly it is, how is it affecting people, and is it going to last forever? Um, To update everybody, I'm still trying to get in with... um, the University of Florida and uh, their integrative medicine department, they're really working on long COVID. And uh, my primary care doc has referred me there. We're now kind of jumping through some insurance hoops and surprise, surprise uh, insurance gets in the way of something productive. I'm telling you that's, that's a nightmare and that's a whole nother episode. Um, But hopefully we're going to be able to get through those challenges and I'm going to be able to travel to Gainesville and get some answers with my long COVID because it has definitely affected my heart and um, I'm dealing with some things with my EP and my cardiologist trying to figure all that out. And of course, I still have dysgeusia and um, parosmia and we're trying to figure that out yeah it's always a fun game of what can you eat today yeah (laughs) what what tastes like we just dubbed it covid what tastes like covid yeah um because you don't want it to taste like covid (laughs) (laughs) so you know trying to find and it's fascinating to me what foods do and do not affect you in that way um because i have tried being a foodie i've tried to um you know, it's garlic and onions. So, okay, well maybe it's alliums, all alliums. Well, no, it's not. And what about this? And, oh, you know, we even talked about what about the iron content? Cause you can't eat beef. So yeah. maybe it's the iron content and, but spinach is fine. I mean, like is it processed food, we've is it- gone through everything yeah. and there just seems to be no explanation, no connection. No. no. And it is somewhat comforting that, um, a lot of people I've met, um, on the on some Facebook pages for parosmia and dysgeusia, 
they're going through the exact same thing. Yeah. The same foods they can't eat because of the smell and taste. Um, so I, I know it's out there mm-hmm. and it's rampant. There are people who've had it for two months. There are people who've had it for two years. And um, mine is, I'm in my second year now. Um, but, so I'm kind of past worrying. Well, I don't really worry, but I'm kind of past thinking too much about it. I just do what I can do. I do think it's improving because it's changing. Um, things yeah. are changing in my um nose and you know what we've talked about before is it's the parosmia is uh attributed to a malfunction in your olfactory nerve and so i do think that nerve is regenerating itself albeit slowly well and we know from my back experience i was going to ask you to share that Yeah, nerve regeneration is i believe dr buchanan said one millimeter per day and that is and sorry if I misspoke but I really think that's what it is it takes forever and so for me he was saying from your low back to your foot where my numbness is it's a very long way to travel even though I'm a short person and he even said even though you're short you know (laughs) it's still a long way to go and so you know if my numbness is going to get better it will take at least a year, if not longer. So, um, and you know, we just keep hoping that because mom's dysgeusia and parosmia isn't always the same, some foods are safe one day and then they're not and vice versa. Um, that maybe that's the nerves regenerating and kind of reworking and figuring things out. Yeah. And, um, I'm still losing weight, but not nearly as quickly as I did in the beginning when I, there were so many things I just could not eat, couldn't even stand to be in the same room yeah. with. And that is much better. So, um, you know, there's hope and I'm, I've am i not given up hope. But definitely that's a result of long COVID as well as my heart issues are a result. So we're going to be seeing a lot of new research, I think, and new revelations about what COVID has done to all of us. Definitely. And, you know, it's here to stay. I think it's pretty endemic. You know, it's a transition from pandemic to endemic. Uh, but we'll know more about it. And just like the Spanish flu in the early 1900s became what our flu season is today. And um, for those of you who aren't allergic to the flu shot, you get that annually. Um, fortunately, I even have, haven't even had the flu in years, even though I can't get the vaccine. But, um, you know, hopefully we get to that point where it's just a run of the mill. It's evolved so much that it's, you know, treatable and uh, and less invasive uh, and affects us less. Um, uh, sorry, I'm distracted because my neighbor is listening to some movie or some music or something that's like bum, 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 bum. So with that, we'll wrap up today. But before we do, I wanted to give a special shout out to one of our longtime listeners from the very beginning. Um, Mom had breakfast today. Yes, my friend, Ann Weismuller. Their family has moved back to Florida from California. And I'm just so excited to have her in the same state, even though she's not right in Tallahassee. Um, So we met for breakfast this morning because she was in town. She brought me this beautiful daffodil. I'm so excited to have it in the house and enjoy it. Um, 
And she has been a loyal listener. Uh, she made us these mugs. Yeah, she um, made these and mugs. so, you know, she's just been a very loyal listener, a really, really kind human. She came when I had my back surgery in Jacksonville, came to visit um, and brought us it was a really sweet little package. So um, we just want to shout out to Anne and uh, thank her for her long time listening. Um, and we, you know, it's people like you who help get the word out and support us and what our mission is. Well, Anne is a friend from way back when I taught public school music. Uh, I taught her children and we worked in the PTA together. I think it was called PTO at that school. And um, so way back when is when we first met and how cool it is that we've been able to stay in touch. And for all the negative things Facebook can do, Facebook has kept me in touch with a lot of people um, who otherwise I might have lost touch with, especially like when they moved out to California. Yep. Yet snail mail takes a long time. <laughs> it does. It definitely does. Yeah. So thank, thank you, you. Anne. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And, you know, we have a lot coming up in the next few weeks. Um, we're super excited about all of our upcoming episodes. You can catch us every week here on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Down There Aware. Be sure to like and subscribe on our new YouTube channel, as well as on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us at Down There Aware on all social media sites, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. If you have it, we're there at Down There Aware. You can learn more on our website, www.downthereaware.com, and always get in touch with us, downthereaware at gmail.com. See you next week.